you would tonight, open your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And as we come to God's Word for tonight's message, we are really continuing what we were talking about this morning. Recall this morning we were looking at how it is we are called on by God as believers to work out our salvation. And we were looking at some of the bigger concepts and principles that need to be a part of our lives, such as looking at the Savior and listening and learning from one another in the body of Christ. And as we think about that, what we're talking about here tonight, what we want to look at tonight really fits right in with that as it really will approach the subject, giving us some of the more uh, smaller details more practical ways for us to manifest this in our life. That is, working out our salvation is tied directly with what we've been talking about here on Sunday nights about pursuing holiness, purity in the church. Because, beloved, for there to be purity in the church, it must start with us personally. It must start with me. It must start with you. It must start with each one of us being committed to pursuing holiness in our life. And that really is a major part of our working out our salvation. If you recall last Sunday night when we were looking at this subject, I shared with you that for us to pursue holiness, it starts with your devotion to Christ. It starts with your devotion to Christ. And one of the things we talked about is where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is, if it is true of, of us that we have a genuine love and devotion to Christ, that it will manifest itself in our life with a desire, with an actual keeping of the commandments of Christ. That is really just obeying God's word. But now the next step we need to look at when we're thinking about pursuing holiness and we're thinking about pursuing purity in the church and the body of Christ is it goes from your devotion to Christ to what I call now your discipline for Christ-likeness. Your discipline for Christ-likeness. I had you turn here to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to follow with me beginning in verse 6 where Paul is writing to young Timothy who is to be leading this church in Ephesus. And he says, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers, prescribe and teach these things. Clearly, when you go back and you read through this passage, Paul is instructing Timothy to stay the course. 
And one of the things he is calling on him to do and for them to do as a body of believers there in verse 7 is to discipline yourself, he says, for the purpose of godliness. That is discipline yourself. And again, this idea here of discipline is in the present tense, which means this is something we are to continually do. This is something we have to keep on keeping on doing. And by discipline there... It is the same word that we get in the English language for a gymnasium, for gym. That is, we are supposed to be working out, spiritually exercising ourselves in a pursuit of holiness, in a pursuit of Christ. In this pursuit, this discipline he's speaking about, and he uses this language because Paul was writing to Timothy, who was there in Ephesus, that was among the, the Greek culture. And the Greek culture is much like our culture today. That is, it was obsessed with the training of the body, the physical body. And that's why he says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit. He's not saying that someone shouldn't be trying to discipline themselves in the sense of their body, but he's saying in comparison to that and your spiritual discipline, godliness is more profitable because it's profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. You see, beloved, any discipline we may have upon ourselves physically in this life only has results for this life because guess what? No matter how how much we may exercise physically, you do understand, and I know you do, that at some point your body's still going to wear out and you're still going to die. We, we can't stop that from happening. But when we are disciplining ourselves spiritually for the purpose of godliness, that has profitability for us in this life right here and now, but also in the life to come the life that we will enjoy with Christ, the new heaven and the new earth. It is to be something that is self-sacrificing, rigorous. When he speaks about us disciplining ourselves. You see, beloved, what we need to understand, what Paul is saying is, is that we need to be regularly going to the spiritual gym for exercise. But notice what he says. Go back to verse 7. Discipline yourself. What's the reason? Why is it that we should do this? It's for the purpose, the reason of godliness. And that's why I say, discipline yourself for Christ-likeness, to become more like Christ. It's not just doing things to do it. And it's not doing it somehow trying to earn favor with God. That's not why we want to go and do the spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about. The reason why it is that you want to discipline yourself is for the purpose of becoming more like Christ, growing in holiness, growing in godliness, growing to become more like Jesus, pursuing holiness. If you will, stay in 1 Timothy. Move over to chapter 6 for a moment. Look over to chapter 6. Just pick it up in verse 3. He says, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, 
those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. He is conceited. He understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when it's accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will bring about at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign the King of kings and Lord of lords. Beloved, what Paul is, notice what he again is saying here. He is saying that we need to be conforming to godliness, to Christ likeness. We need to be pursuing righteousness, and he says pursuing godliness, pursuing Christ likeness. And that word there, when you go back to verse 11 in chapter 6, when he says flee, that's the same word, the picture there is of a fugitive. And what is a fugitive doing? He is running. He's fleeing for his life. He's trying to get away from those that he is in trouble with. He, he's on the run. And he, that's the picture he's wanting for us to be described. Flee. That is, flee from these temptations. Flee from these sins. It's definitely flee from the root of all sorts of evil, the love of money. Flee. Flee. And flee to what? Not just run away, but when you're running to something. See, that's part of the problem I think we can have sometimes is that we want to put off things, but we don't know what we're supposed to be putting on. Something's supposed to take its place. And we're not just running away. We're running to someone. We're running to something. We're running to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're pursuing after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. And we have to fight for this. That's why he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of it. You were called for this, this eternal life. We have to understand it is a fight. As we were talking about this morning, this is our discipline for Christ's likeness. We are to be self-sacrificing, running from sin and running to the things that God would have for us to do, for us to be. Along that same lines, if you would for just a moment, look with me over in 1 Corinthians and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for just a moment. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9. Where Paul is describing in some ways the Christian life as running a race. And you want to run it in such a way that you win the prize. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 beginning in verse 24. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, here's what Paul says, I run in such a way as not without aim. He's saying, look, I'm not just running and for nothing, and I'm not just boxing in the air. I box in such a way as not just beating the air. There's a purpose behind what I'm doing. He says, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul here is speaking about a discipline of ourselves as we're thinking about ministering the gospel. I like something that Donald Whitney had to say Southern Baptist author wrote a book on spiritual disciplines. He says, quote, I've seen Christians who are faithful to the church, faithful to the church of God, who frequently demonstrate genuine enthusiasm for the things of God and who dearly love the word of God, trivialize their effectiveness for the kingdom of God through lack of discipline. He also said, spiritually, they are a mile wide and an inch deep. So how can we avoid this? As how can we avoid being spiritually a mile wide but only about an inch deep? How can we avoid trivializing our effectiveness for the kingdom of God? It's by spiritually disciplining ourselves for the purpose of Christ's likeness. And here's what I mean by spiritually disciplining ourselves. One of the ways we do that is by being committed to learning from Christ. You have to be committed to learning from Christ. And what I mean by that is, if I want to learn from Jesus, if I want to learn from Christ, and again, all these are going to be Christ-centered. It's all going to revolve around Christ. And I'm saying learning from Christ. If I want to know the mind of Christ, I open up this book. This is where, if I want to learn from Jesus and I want to have the mind of Christ, if I want to think the way Jesus wants me to think so that I can live the way Jesus wants me to live, it has to come from this book. Thus, we're talking about, we're talking about learning from Christ, the spiritual disciplines that are involved in that are obvious. Reading God's Word, studying God's Word, meditating on God's Word, memorizing God's Word, listening to the teaching, the preaching of God's Word, and even talking about God's Word with others. All these things are necessary in our fight to pursue holiness. In fact, if you would for just a moment, go back in the Old Testament, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, a psalm that really is about our relationship to the Word of God. Psalm 119. Listen to what the psalmist is saying here, beginning in verse 1. How blessed 
are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. That is, they're living their life in the word of God. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Now, who is it that's going to walk in the ways of God? Who is it that's going to be observing his testimonies? It's those who are spending time in his word, seeking after God. You have ordained your precepts, he says in verse 4, that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgment, I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? How is it that we can keep our way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. You can just hear again the psalmist pleading with God. And what I always have found interesting about this chapter is that as he's wanting to, to make sure he's living his life the way he should, he should live it, I mean, he is, he's begging, he's pleading with God, and he's even just saying, God, make me do it. Invade my life. Just do whatever it is you have to do. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, we see him treasuring, that is memorizing, meditating on the word of God for the very purpose of saying, because I don't want to sin against you, God, and I know that one of the main ways I won't be sinning against you is if I'm actually treasuring the word of God in my heart. And I'm seeking you with all my heart. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. He, he's, he's pleading with God. Teach me. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. This is what we mean by learning from Christ. Spending time in the Word of God. And this ties back into what we were talking about this morning about looking to the Savior, listening and learning from God's people. This is how it is, beloved, that we're going to learn from Christ. It's by being in the Word of God. But being in the Word for that purpose you see, it's not, notice the psalmist didn't say, I want to learn your statutes. I want to learn what your, your word says just so that I can have head knowledge, just so that I can have knowledge about uh, the Bible or I can be theologically astute. No, he's saying everything. When I am reading, meditating, studying on the word of God, when I'm memorizing God's word, I'm wanting it to transform me. I'm wanting it to change me. And that is, I'm wanting it to help me to put away sin that is in my life. He just wants to learn. Learn from Christ. But secondly, not just learning from Christ, but we need to also have the discipline of ourselves of praying to Christ, talking to Christ, talking to our God. 
Go over, you're in the Psalms. Just stay there and go over to Psalm 19 for a moment. Go over to Psalm 19. Again, a psalm that deals with creation, but also deals with the Word of God. It really deals with revelation, the works and the Word of God. The first part of the, the psalm is dealing with God's creation. But then in verse 7, he begins to talk about the Word of God and what it is the Word of God can do for someone. And again, if you need some type of motivation to help you to get into God's Word, just come and read verses 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect. It restores the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You want to become wise in how to live life? Then know the Word of God. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are, sure, are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, notice, by what? That is, by the word of God, your servant is warned. It's warned. You will be warned about sin, warned about things in your life by the word of God. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep, notice what he's saying here. Think about praying. This is a prayer of a psalm of David. This is a psalm of David. And David, this is a prayer of David, and this is what he's asking God. God, keep me back, your servant, from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of a great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Listen to what David is praying. He's saying, oh Lord, I want what it is that comes out of my mouth. I want, to, I want what it is that comes into my heart. I want it to be pleasing in your sight. And he's saying, Lord, just keep me back. Keep me back from sin. I, I don't want to sin. And that's one of the things that will happen for us if we're actually genuinely coming before the Lord on a regular basis, spending time with Him in prayer. As we read this past Wednesday night in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 16, in the Lord's Prayer, what is part of that prayer? Lord, lead, lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us. That's a part of praying. God, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from sin. And you know yourself, at times it's difficult when we have sin that is just remaining in our life that when we come before the Lord and we want to spend time with the Lord that one of the first things we have to do is address that sin. We have to confess our sin before the Lord or it's just something that just keeps nagging at us. God just won't let us let it go. Something in our heart, something in our life that shouldn't be there or something that should be there that's not. And God just won't let it go because He wants us to, to confess it and repent of it and, and, and do what it is that He's calling on us to do. That's why it is beneficial, beloved, that you have the discipline of praying and talking to God, praying to Christ. But thirdly, it's not just learning from Christ. It's not just praying to Christ. It's also witnessing 
for Christ. Witnessing for Christ. Talking to others about Jesus. If we will be faithful, and by faithful, I'm not saying that means every day or every week or anything like that, but if you make it a priority of your life that you are going to share the gospel, you're going to look for opportunities to talk to someone about Jesus. If that is a discipline in your life, first off, it's going to help you in your pursuit of holiness because it's going to keep the gospel front and center in your mind on a regular basis. And you're going to be thinking about being saved from sin. What it is God has done for you. And furthermore, it's going to remind you that you need to be holy in your own life because you do want to have credibility when you go to share the gospel with someone. That was what Paul was talking about back in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27 when he was saying, look, I discipline myself. And I buffet myself. Why? Because I don't want to go out and preach the gospel and then after I do that, I disqualify myself. He was concerned about that. And that's one of the motivations. If you're out wanting to genuinely share the gospel, it will be a motivation in your life to deal with sin. And look, one of the ways that you can actually help to share the gospel is if you're someone who is dealing with your sin because sometimes that will even open the door to share the gospel with someone. Remember what Jesus was saying over in the gospel of John in John chapter 17 where he says, be sanctified. Be sanctified. Why? Because I'm sending them. He says, Lord God, sanctify them by your truth because I'm sending them out into the world. And he says, just as you sent me into the world. Now, why did the Father send the Son into the world? To see the world, what? Redeemed. To see the world coming to Christ. That's why Jesus has sent us into the world. But before we can go sending out into the world, he says, sanctify them, Father, by the truth. And your word is the truth. You see, so we have to have the sharing of the gospel as a discipline in our life. And if it is, it will help you in pursuing holiness and addressing sin in your life. Witnessing for Christ. Also, a fourth discipline is the worshiping of Christ. The worshiping of Christ. If you will for a moment, if you're still in the Psalms, go over to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. And just notice the opening thought here. O Lord, who may abide in your tent and who may dwell on your holy hill? Who is it that's going to have that privilege of joy of worshiping you? It's he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his friend and whose eyes a reprobate is despised but who honors those who fear the Lord who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He does these things. He who does these things will never be shaken. Beloved, those that 
are practicing righteousness, those that are pursuing holiness and addressing sin in their life are those that are more prepared to come and to worship Christ. Just the worshiping of Christ, knowing that personally and corporately singing and expressing our love to Christ and wanting to do that from a pure heart, wanting to do that in spirit and in truth. We want to come to the Lord with a clean heart as we worship Him. And again, not that we're ever going to be in a state of perfection. We talked about that this morning. You're not going to reach a state of perfection in this life. But we do want to come and we come and worship. We come and worship with hearts that are pure and right and just set on fire for the Lord. This is one of the things why just to share with you my heart that, that we should look at as a church of, of actually partaking of the Lord's Supper more often. Because what is it we're supposed to do when we partake of the Lord's Supper? When we come here to worship, and a part of our worship is the partaking of the Lord's Supper, one of the things we are supposed to do is actually address our heart in any sin that's in our life. We're to confess that. Why? So that we come to the table in a worthy fashion. That we want to address sin in our heart, sin in our life. And when we look at the bread and we look at the cup, we look at these, these uh, symbols that are there. It's a reminder to us of the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, the salvation that we have in Christ. That Jesus came to take away sin. And that he did take away our sin. That as we saw this morning, we're now out from under the penalty of sin. We put our faith in Christ. Beloved, we want to be one that is worshiping of Christ. If we're faithful to do that, it will have an impact on our pursuit of holiness, the discipline of ourselves for Christ-likeness. We need to be learning from Christ, praying to Christ, witnessing for Christ, worshiping of Christ. And then finally, I would say this, working, serving for Christ, serving others, participating in the body of Christ. And yes, to do that, we need to desire to have a life of credibility as we do it. We want to be useful to uh, the, the Master. In fact, if you will, turn back to the New Testament and go over to 2 Timothy for just a moment. Go over to 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and beginning in verse 20, it says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So now flee. There it is again. Run like a fugitive from youthful lust and run towards something. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. With who? With those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 
This is even talking about worship here. Come together with the body of Christ, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart and pursue these things together. Pursue faith, pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue love, pursue peace, and refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they just produce quarrels. We are called on to cleanse ourselves from these things. Cleanse ourselves from worldly, empty chatter that just leads to further ungodliness as he speaks about in verse 16. And if we don't, it just spreads like gangrene. And it can have devastating effects on people's lives and people's faith. Because it says in verse 18, they were allowing some things like that to happen and it's upsetting the faith of some of them. We need to be one who is diligent in fleeing after Christ. Because we want to be useful vessels for the master because we are sanctified. We are a vessel of honor. We are prepared for every good work. Now thankfully, I am so thankful that God still uses us even though we we mess up. Even though we sin. Even though we can do things sometimes for the wrong reason. Again, if you ever struggle with that and think somehow, some way, you may have messed up too far, just remember a couple of people. Number one, remember Peter. I mean, Peter flat out denied Jesus in the presence of Jesus three times. And he didn't do it in a nice way. And yet the Lord forgave him and the Lord reaffirmed him for ministry to be useful in his kingdom and the work he had at hand. And secondly, remember the prophet Jonah. If you read through the whole story of Jonah, you're going to find out that when Jonah went and preached, actually preached at Nineveh, his heart still wasn't right. Now he had repented of his sin. But if you remember after that, whenever God saved all of them and he granted them repentance and the whole community of over 100,000 repented of their sin, Jonah wasn't a happy camper. He was mad at God. And he even said, Lord, that's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I never wanted to go there in the first place because I knew you were a compassionate, merciful God. He's like, I knew you were going to save them. And I didn't like the Ninevites and I didn't want them saved. But yet God still used him. But that doesn't give us the excuse and the right understanding that we need to be vessels of honor. That we want to make sure we are ones that are sanctified by the truth. Serving in the body of Christ. Beloved, this just reminds me that in the church we need to make sure that we don't go along with the culture. The culture is drifting down in regards to its standards. It's standards of leadership. It's standards of, 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 of those in positions and things that they do. But as a church, beloved, we want to keep the standards of God's word. And those that are pursuing after Christ. So I pray that as we think about this tonight, that this is where we must start. If you're working out your salvation, if you're pursuing holiness, then it starts with your devotion to Christ. 
But then that devotion must move into some practical things that you must do, and that is some spiritual disciplines in your life for the purpose of Christ's likeness. And so maybe you just need to start. And start by asking God to help you by His grace, by His strength, by His Spirit. Ask someone else to help you. Someone that can come alongside of you, talk to you, just ask you some questions sometimes. Just somebody that can be in your life that's just going to say, Hey, how's your spiritual life going? How's your heart doing spiritually? Are you learning from Christ? Are you talking to Christ? Are you witnessing for Christ? Are you uh, worshiping, serving? I mean, are these things going on in your heart? Are they going on in your life? Asking just someone to help us. This is the way, again, I'm just going to keep sharing this with you and encouraging you about this because this is the way God has designed the Christian life. It's to be lived with other people, with the brothers and sisters in Christ. All along understanding ultimately you are responsible for your own life, your own sin, your own pursuit of righteousness. You are responsible for that. You know, sometimes it's just like a physical discipline. Whether it's exercising or dieting, whatever it may be, you know, sometimes you just say, you know what, I just got to start. I just have to start. Because I can see it even in my spiritual life, the same as I can see sometimes in my physical life, of saying, well, you know, you ever thought about you're going to start walking, you're going to start running, you're going to start eating better, eating differently, doing some things, and I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I'm a lot of times getting into those kind of things, I'll say, well, okay, what's today? Today is May the 6th. Okay, I'll start May 15th, right in the middle of the month. That's when I'll start, May 15th. And then 15th, 16th, 17th rolls around. Well, okay, I'll just start at June the 1st. June the 1st, that's exactly when I'll, I'll start doing that. And those dates just keep getting pushed back. But it, we, just, we just have to start. We just have to start and just do what it is God's calling on us to do. To pursue holiness, it requires that you discipline yourself for Christ's likeness. It's not just going to happen. And that's what I was sharing this morning. It's not just going to happen. I mean, I, I mean we, we can't just say, I'm just going to pray and just give it to God. But I'm not going to do anything else. No, beloved, God calls on us to be renewing our mind through the scriptures. He calls on us to put off the old self, put on the new self. He calls on us to be reading and studying his word. He calls on us to do these things of prayer and talking and serving and disciplining and, and looking at things in our life and addressing those things. God calls on us to do it. Always understanding that in the end, ultimately, all the good that comes from our life, God does it. And I'm sure I'll say this again over the upcoming weeks, but always remembering 
that the good and the righteousness and the things that come out of my life, I turn to God and I say, thank you, God, for working in my life. I thank you for what you're producing. I thank you for what you're doing. And when I fall on my face and I'm in, I know that I'm in sin, I have to take all the credit for that. Lord, that's my fault. I did that. Forgive me of it. Cleanse me of it. Just ask God to help you. And just start. Just start. I want to ask you to bow your